Hello, Creative Wonders. Welcome to the Holistic Creative Podcast. My name is Kerry, and I'm here to explore with you through wonder, curiosity, and courage towards a state of being that feels like nature itself patterning through our daily lives. It's wild and it's exciting, and it's also harmonizing. Kevin, welcome to your own workspace and to the podcast. <laughs> you and I probably wouldn't be sharing a space if you hadn't made the suggestion to me two years ago at an opportune time. To give listeners a brief background, I was running Mo and Moksha from home, not necessarily financially ready to rent a shop front, but I was dreaming of a beautiful perfumery for people to experience in person. I'd mentioned it to Kevin to listen out for any great locational opportunities that might come up around town. And I had no idea that Kevin was sitting on an idea for a new company of his own. A few days later, Kevin told me that my favorite baker friend was opening another bakery below the location I'd had my eye on for the past year, which was still available. He then proposed that we share space because our brands would complement each other because of the lifestyle nature of my work and the showroom concept he had in mind. This was surprising to me at first and also very encouraging because I know you have high standards, Kevin. The words perfection, pristine, and monotone come to mind when I think of the kind of aesthetic that you appreciate. However, as I've gotten to know you more, I've reeled in a tiny bit on some of my assumptions. I think there are a few ways we've learned from each other working in the same space, both being naturally inclined to different aesthetics but equally appreciative of each other's creative eye. So Kevin, thank you for allowing me to chat with you on the podcast, because although I see you most days, there is a lot we don't get to share with each other about our processes. And I've observed your hyper-focus. Sometimes you don't hear me speaking to you. <laughs> so let us meet here again. And if you are ready, I shall begin. I am. Yeah. <laughs> So can you give us the highlights reel of the ways in which you've been creating within the world of architecture and design over the last 20 years? Um, my high points, is this what you mean? Yes, the things you would like to share. Um, I mean, I left architecture per se, yeah, a couple of years after varsity, went into advertising and then fell back into it by when I was asked to do, uh, to come up with a concept and brand and design a restaurant for a client. So it wasn't something I was wanting to get into, but I sort of took up the challenge and went down that road. So funnily enough, I think, I think the highlights have been more on the branding stroke interior side of things. Um, I always tell everyone that the highest accolade I've achieved was having a beach named after a brand that I created. So that was Afro's Beach. Oh, amazing. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, if, if you're a surfer in Durban, you will refer to surfing Afro's now. Oh. Well, I don't know about it anymore because Afro's been gone from that location for a while. But definitely while it was there, it was, I'm surfing Afro's. So that was, for me, was amazing. amazing. <laughs> um, and also just revitalizing that little strip of, of the promenade and the, and the Durban beachfront was, was a huge thing for me. Um, yeah, and just, I think, I think generally just creating um, little highlights in Durban and, and things that people in Durban could relate to, would use in their everyday convo, you know, whether it's terminology or names of places that I'd named or whatever the case was. Yeah, I think it was a case of like, it, it almost went beyond design and more to lifestyle and things related to things that I had created. And you sort of, when you do hear somebody using a term or a name or whatever that you've created, you think back to when the idea of the name came to your mind. You're like, well, oh, it was such a minor thing in my head, but now it's on the sort of lips of, you know, people in this in the city. 
And yeah, I just, I suppose it just shows how things can go from being a random thought to, to becoming these spoken about brand things, which, mm. you know, we, we think are these massive things, but really they start from like very small beginnings, you know? Yes. So, so yeah, as much as design is, is my, is my love, it was actually more those things that have been the things that I've hung on to more, I suppose. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And also, and what are some of those words? Um, like chips, T-J-R-P-S. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was more spelling with things with afros. Yes. Um, like cotton pool, K-O-E-L. Just <laughs> putting a local slant on things that were already out there, which was the whole yes. point of that brand, was to give it a local you know, um, angle, which none of the other chicken takeouts had. So that, yeah, that was that. Um, obviously the name Afros and also, yeah, I suppose people make up their own, they make up their own sort of ideas of where things come from and, and where a name comes from or a design idea or a concept or whatever. And they convinced that that's what it's about. And in some ways it's quite fun to see and just watch it from from the outside and see yes. what people see as being the reason for it, etc. So yes. yeah, it creates a whole story behind things that maybe isn't even true, but it's quite fun to listen in on these things. Yeah. That's very cool. Ah, the design, the branding. Yeah, it's almost like a byproduct, but it was also the beginning because you did yeah. study advertising. So it's yeah, and they always work if you have both skills. It works hand in hand so well yeah, together. And they're, they're not that different. Everyone thinks they're such different things, but the, the process and the thought process and the conceptualization and that sort of thing is very similar, really. Mm. Mm. What are your favorite kinds of projects to work on at the moment? At the moment, it's probably not, it's probably never been. I, I like to focus on on the smaller details. Um, I am a more a details person than a, well, funnily enough, I, I like, I like a big concept and then I like to move into the detail. I don't like the stuff in between. So <laughs> yeah, that's why, yeah, I do really like getting into the, the, how the really fine detail of something can really make something. So yeah, the, the, the working on my own line of product is something it's, I guess it's something that every architect stroke designer stroke anyone in the creative field semi dreams of, of doing um, and yeah so so working on you know what I'm currently doing in terms of product is is probably is is the highlight of what I'm doing yeah, yeah. yes and and can you just give us a little uh, a brief description of what those products are that you have been working on? What are the products that you're currently designing? Yeah, well, so it's all, um, I'm now moving to the term, that they're fittings, they, they're kitchen and bathroom and living interior fittings. Um, and, and so that generally refers to handles, hooks, shelving, rails, holders, anything that Pretty much get screw fixed to a wall um, and has a function um, and but I'm now almost erring on the term architectural accessories because they mm. are very architectural in their design and they are mm. things that uh, will appeal to either architects or interior designers or homeowners or whatever so yeah it's, it's a funny one you can't really your finger on what the correct term is sometimes they're fitting sometimes they're accessories sometimes they fixings which is not the correct term um, doesn't sound beautiful enough no, fixings. <laughs> sometimes it's hardware but again yeah. hardware can refer to hinges and that's sort of yes. not what i'm doing so yeah architectural accessories seems like a good way of, of putting it um have you have you heard that term before or is that kind of something you've you think you've come to it. I know sometimes we never know where our ideas yeah. maybe we sort, but you think know. it's uh, just kind of come from you. I think, I, th I think, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I might have heard somebody use that, um, but yeah, it just seems to roll. It's what's landing for you now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so some of those accessories 
for example, just like some of the actual names of those accessories, what are so so yeah what so, kinds? so like um, you know th things that you would use in the kitchen or a bathroom attached to your wall, so like hooks or handles or um, toilet roll holders or towel rails or shower shelves, any of those things, and they they usually the things that are either very ugly or very bling. Um, and you'll find them anywhere in, a, in any hardware store or whatever, but they generally either over-designed or just ugly. <laughs> um, and so I'm not trying to create things that steal the show or, mm. or really demand attention. They're just there to, to exist and to serve their function, but to do it in as sort of subtly, quietly, beautiful a way as possible. So mm. they're definitely not trying to become design pieces, yes. um, but in their own right, because they're so simple, if they're in the right environment, they actually could be design pieces, I suppose. Cool. Can you tell us about two of the most memorable projects that you've ever worked on? Probably only worked on about two projects. <laughs> um, Liar. No. No, I think, I guess it, I guess the first restaurant job that I was referring to, which was Stretta, um Cucina up in Hillcrest is probably very memorable because it was the first time I've done something like that. And I'd just been to New York um, just before that. So I was very influenced by New York and that whole sort of grungy industrial aesthetic. Yeah. Um, so, and as is always, pretty much always the case with these things, a client asks you to do it for, for nothing in terms of budget spend on the place. So yeah, that, it was a great because it was the first and it was also great because I basically then set about trying to source everything secondhand and buy it myself from car boot markets and things like that. So I spent a lot of time at the gravel um, car boot market thing on a Sunday morning buying lampshades and whatever. <laughs> so it was great when it all came together because I'd, I think like I often do, I'd often, I'd gone properly hands on with finding things and it was, there was quite a lot of personal attachment to it. So that, and then, yeah, I mean, yeah. As I said, I haven't, I haven't done a lot of of these of these jobs in terms of, of restaurants. It's it's a it's a handful really. Um, but yeah, Ninth Avenue, I suppose, was also very memorable. Only because, not only because, but because it's of where it is in Durban, in the in the um, harbour, in the small craft harbour. Um, and it was a building that I'd known since a kid and that had been designed by well-known architects at the time and it had been left to, to go to rack and ruin. So it was seven or eight years of rusting in the harbour. Um, so to be able to go and like bring new life to an existing building was for me was a great thing and something that I had a childhood attachment to and also just the idea of like I suppose recycling because I like to, uh, I've got an environmental um, take on everything that I do. So the idea of not a new build, of, of revitalizing something existing, um, yeah, that was that was very appealing for me. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a dreamy journey you've been on. It must be nice too, because we don't always sit and think about everything that we've done. You know, sometimes mm. it's nice to reflect and remember. Would you say that you have a design style, and if so, how would you describe it? Mm, I, I always shy away from the idea of a design style. It's not something I've ever really um, yeah, thought that I have or uh, that I align with or whatever. Like freaks me out a bit, I suppose. Um, so yeah, obviously what I do is very simple, and some would call it minimal. I like to go with the... Hashtag soft minimalism, which has become a okay. become a thing now internationally. It's not my term by any means. Yes. Um, but it's taking minimal and softening it with a human touch. So even if the 
even if the product or space or whatever it is is still pretty still pretty minimal you then dress it in some way with something that that then offsets that minimalism and gives it the the human softness yes. um because there's no point having we as humans we can't exist in spaces or with things that are completely cold and don't have any kind of human element to them mm. so i don't like the term minimalism um as a you know as as a style it's yeah. it's more something that has been given you know given that human element and that's what i say uh would you know align with as a style whether or not it is what i completely do mm. in the eyes of the international can you tell us a bit about your design process from conceptualization to final product yeah it's always a it's like always a difficult one to to actually know what you're doing um i guess i try to you know like strip things back as far as they can go um and work with i suppose the first thing especially in like with with mess and the and the product line is that i try and look at the 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 sort of key elements that you can't get away from so there has to be a material um it has to be manufactured in a certain way um and finished in a certain way and if you can make um something beautiful for lack of a better word out of those processes um without adding unnecessarily to it in terms of design then that for me is first prize so it's the same with a print if you were to do a print project or you were doing something in graphic design or whatever the idea of choosing the paper that you're printing on if you can find something that's amazing it's like you know 50% of your job is already done mm. and then all you're doing is 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 complementing that with you know a little bit of print that that then lifts it that little bit higher so it's the same with product um you know if if you get the material selection correct and the manufacturing of it correct and the way that you finishing it whether it's powder coating or whatever it is but if you get those three elements right the design element doesn't have to be much mm. to i mean i say that you still have mm. to be, it has to be very considered yes. um proportionally or everything down to the radius of a bend to the the way that the line will cut and look and feel and whatever but that's that's what i'm saying is you get those little finer details correct and that makes makes the design so you're not yes. actually trying to design all these different materials and things you're just doing mm. you're doing the, the real basics really really well mm. so having really good quality ingredients almost yeah. if if you were a chef yeah. like you would exactly yeah. almost you don't need to overstyle the meal but you have a good quality organic ingredients that you start with yeah yeah it exactly. can only inspire the best work as well i yeah. guess in a in a way yeah 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 and and rather put that little bit of extra spend maybe it's not spend but mm. you, you know put put that little bit of effort and extra upfront spend into those quality ingredients mm. and and know that you're starting on a very solid footing and that you're not trying to you know turn a sow's ear into silk purse as they yes, say yes and like you i see you often testing your product so it's not only sourcing like finding the best source of mm. you know the manufacturers and that but or the raw materials but also testing the quality before you go ahead and use it yeah i mean you have to and there's only so much you can actually test i suppose um but you find a way because yeah. i've seen you testing <laughs> things <laughs> yeah I, i would still like to test things even more um because you inevitably are going to have to make changes and revisions and things even once you've you know sold something or launched it um but yes obviously it's very important that that thing works the way it's supposed to work and 
isn't isn't chosen that you're proving that it isn't chosen just for its looks or whatever that it's functional in yes. its environment you know? yeah. yeah what kind of environment do you prefer to be in when you're in the middle of a design process if i need to focus properly then i need to be in my own space without anyone around but that's more if i'm needing to like hit a deadline on something generally if i'm in a design phase i have to be in an environment where there are other people where there's human sound and things going on around me otherwise your mind goes into a very different state where it just doesn't feel right you know mm, so I, I yeah uh, that's why i almost i can't i've always struggled with the idea of a desk job really even though the, a large element of design is a is a desk job um i have to keep moving myself into different environments even if it's just working at a couple of different cafes or whatever the case is just having that hum and human element around you is like it's yeah it's priceless you can't mm. you can't not have that you are definitely one of the few humans I know that can sit for as long as you do in a zone of focus in one place. Can you give us some insights into what's happening in your mind during that time? So is it a lot of sitting and staring at the screen thinking? Or are you trying different variations in a design program until it all fits? Or what happens in those sittings <laughs> in your mind? It depends. It depends on what I'm doing. I suppose if it's if it's drawing CAD work, um, then you are very much just in in that model, in that CAD drawing. So you, you're cutting out everything else around you. Um, and there's always a lot that has to get done in, in that work state. So you have to just focus and go. And it's almost like there aren't enough hours in the day to get done what needs to get done. So... Mm. Yeah, you've just got to focus, and you can. I mean, I can't actually do that in in either in my own space or in a in a communal space. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I go into such <laughs> such a focused uh, state. It's it's bad in a way because you actually again you need that that variation and and variety in your workflow um, I mean I wouldn't say it's, it's bad like I wish I had a little bit of that because it, it's also amazing to be able to like really hyper focus but like you say maybe there's there's a balance it can yeah, I think that that I would I don't think I choose to have that kind of work you know um, situation it's more it's more out of necessity that mm. that's when you're working on things where you know, as I say you've got it almost feels like minimal time to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Um, so you've got no choice but to just mm. go for it. And, and before you know it, you've been staring at your screen for eight hours and you, <laughs> yeah. you know, your day's done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not nice. It, it, yeah, it, it's oh, not, not that it's not nice, but it's not the favorite part of not the, 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 no, the, well, the process, should be, I say. And, yeah. and funnily enough, sometimes even just what would be seen as being boring like you know drafting of something drawing it up for manufacture or doing drawings for a space or whatever can actually be a very um fulfilling process that that technical element um i once dated a girl who was an architect but her favorite part of the whole design and architectural process was just working in CAD, doing dimensions and details on drawings. <laughs> um, and I didn't ever really align with that, but I can I do I do agree on some level. There's something yeah. that's quite pleasing to your technical brain and yes. the realization of the making this thing a real thing that's mm. that's actually pretty fulfilling, I suppose. Mm. Like you said earlier, um for any design or architect to kind of have your own range to design it's when you get to put something physical into the world mm. is that maybe part of the dream you know get to translate those ideas and see it in its 
Yeah, well, that's, Final form. well, the actual, when it actually comes to physical, you know, to, to reality is obviously always the most, you know, um, satisfying when you, when you walk into mm -hmm. a space or you see something made and you've got it in your hands. That's, that is why our stroke, we do what we do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that is definitely the most, but, but even getting lost in your screen, drawing something up or getting the drawings done for something is you, you know that it's that it's a step away from the the, the, the the realization of the actual thing that you're doing that you're working on now so it kind of if you're in your line of work it, it's it's almost essential that you do find some joy in that yeah. part of the process because you yeah. have, it has to be done exactly yeah so yeah. um yeah. you're introductory range of mess products is only the beginning of what feels like something bigger from my perspective anyway because i've seen what you're capable of so what would be your ultimate piece of hardware or furniture to design if you had no limitations and if you did have limitations or you feel you do what do you think those limitations are or what do you perceive them to be um I've never really, I don't know, I've never really had an ultimate, you know, um, product or thing that I've wanted to design. And, and I guess it comes back to, I like the idea of taking the everyday things that are tend to be, you know, seen as being a bit mundane and a bit everyday and a bit like I wouldn't even notice that thing if I walked into the space, mm. taking those things and and creating something out of them. And when I say that, again, like I've said before, I don't mean making things that demand your attention, but just making things that are quietly beautiful. You know? yes. So it is the real basic things. Obviously, it would be nice to be featured by a big brand or something that's using your product. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't want to try and create something that really stands out or is flashy. I don't believe that design should really be that because mm -hmm. especially when you're creating a whole space full of things, once you once you fill that space out with everything that it needs, there's a, lot, there's a lot going on, even if it's a minimal space, there's a lot of things going on. So, you know, if everything is trying to be a design element or something amazing, then you just got this chaotic, you know, visual onslaught. Mm. Uh, it, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's really not something that I, Look, I might be forgetting something. There might there might have been a product along the way where I thought, mm, that would be great. But I just I just get satisfaction from even doing the simplest things or things that, you know, people might not if you told them, Oh, I'm designing this thing, they might be like, ah, that's right. But then once you've actually realized it and done it in the way that 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 you that you conceptualize and and you know, um, that the angle you take on it, it actually mm -hmm. turns something pretty mundane into something that's actually quite intriguing and mm. yeah it's it's a difficult one to put to put it into words because yes it's not about attracting attention but equally it's about still being beautiful in some way you know so do you think that you get your ideas for a product that you want to work on from kind of a functional space or way of interacting with space where you suddenly realize i actually don't have a chair that yeah. can just do this one simple thing yeah yeah and then that wouldn't yeah definitely that's from, what inspires you yeah definitely from from everyday needs or things and you realize actually you know this this would be a great product or this would be something that would you know is not it's going to serve a great function without being something that's going to be trendy or gimmicky or whatever, because that's definitely mm. not what I believe in. Um, and that, that's the other thing with what I'm doing is I'm trying to avoid or I am avoiding any real gimmicks. Um, the, the, the item must do what it needs to do and do mm. it in, in a, as aesthetically sort of clean and beautiful way as possible. But 
it mustn't try and add multiple things into one thing just just to draw attention and to you know to try and make it look like appealing or flashy so yeah but yeah definitely from everyday you know experience you mm. you pick up on things bigger mm, actually this is something that you know humans yes. need yeah can we just highlight the word gimmicks because it's such a vintage word i love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah i really you actually have um your products in our showroom in your showroom my perfumery have really i think i said to you the other day i actually now appreciate what this minimalist concept is um because i'm the complete opposite in my own life and decor style but i would i looked at these hooks and i was like wow there, there is there actually isn't something you think there there must be a lot of products that are well designed simple um with everything just right but they still look good and like you say it's hard to describe because mm. if you just I, even as i'm describing it now i'm thinking this listeners they don't know what i'm talking about it sounds mm. too simple and you actually can't really understand it until you see the product in its place and until you've tried to look for something else similar to it or you yeah. have this idea yeah. you know yeah, or styled it with yes with what you know what's you know you have that's important to you or that is otherwise beautiful or um yeah i mean even on their own in the right setting still great but then mm. it's what else you bring to it you know that then makes it that much lifts it that much more makes it that much yes. more special obviously if you're going to take a beautifully designed whatever a shelf or whatever the case is and load it with ugly things <laughs> yeah. it's, go it's not going to be great yes. um so there has to be a level of kind of you know consideration there but yeah i think you know if if you can if you can curate your living environment whatever environment um correctly um it can make you know it can make these things really work and it can it gives um value to the fact that they're so simple in what they are that they don't need to be yes anything more than that and even the thought that goes into the exact type of screws that yeah. you supply with your shelves because if anyone had to use any other screw kevin would probably be horrified because <laughs> the whole design would just be messed with yeah. and yeah so that's even you know completely considered yeah yeah and it has to be because it's uh, it's there's really only two elements to what i'm doing it's it's aluminium and then screws that's, that's, yeah. that's what you see um so if that's if that screw isn't a considered um good looking thing then you've you know you've almost shot shot the thing in the foot it's 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 not going to be what it what it should be you know and and the the name so the name mess so mm. you know we've got this very minimalist clean brand and then we have the name mess can you just explain a bit where that name comes from yeah funnily enough didn't really see the uh, yeah i didn't necessarily see the the humor in it which i'm now <laughs> which i'm now seeing more and more and not from yes. a not from a ironic point of view just when people ask me for the business name over the phone and i give it to them there's always a laugh or a chuckle yeah. um so but i just see it i mean mess came from this this, this starting as a as a kitchen business and I wanted, I think I'm getting this right. I wanted something with a short name. Um, obviously, mess is four letters. Um, and I wanted something that spoke about basic uh, living, dining, everything, where, where it's a space that you, that you want to do everything in because it, it's, it's your favorite space. Like my kitchen at home, I uh, love and I could happily, you know, do most things I do from my kitchen. And that was what a mess on a ship or um, <clears throat> etc. was in military terms was the space where you ate and you socialized and mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, even sometimes there was like sleeping accommodation and those mm -hmm. things. So, and they were obviously very basic, very stripped back, very industrial in a way and as much as that's not 
the complete aesthetic of what I'm doing. It's, there is obviously elements like that that drive what I do to do these very basic but good looking and solid products. You know? mm. And yeah, that was where Mess for the Kitchen business comes from. And this is obviously, you know, now becoming kitchen product and bathroom product and as I say, like architectural accessories. Um, but yes, the irony is is that it's the complete opposite <laughs> of a mess. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's as slick and clean. And I quite like yes. that. That I, like, I quite like that irony. That like yes. juxtaposition. For lack of yes, because we the base is clean, and then we live in it, and we make a mess, mm. and that's and that, just yeah. natural. It has yeah. to be, you know, and exactly. that's part of the joy. And then it can easily come back to come back its to, yeah. beautiful base again. Yeah. Which country would you like to travel to for creative inspiration? Um, I have for a long time had a map of Tokyo on my wall. Um, I would love to go to Japan um, from a design. Um, yeah, just because they are... Japan and Scandinavia are, are in general, um, obviously Denmark, etc., but yeah, are the sort of the, the more the, the kings of, of minimal. Um, but there's so many examples now of designers and spaces doing it in a more soft, minimal, more, you know, human way. And the Japanese aesthetic and values are, are very appealing to me. Um, and also the, the way that they work with such tight, small spaces. There's something I've always loved and believed in that we don't need these huge spaces to exist as long as they are well considered. Um, so that's so that, yeah, that 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 idea, that way of living, and the aesthetic in general is yeah is very appealing. I definitely share your desire to go to Japan. What would you describe to be the main inspiration behind your desire to create functional things for people to use in their living spaces? Maybe we have covered that a bit, but if, mm. there, if there's something we haven't, what is the main inspiration? The main behind? inspiration is that, the, is that as an architect, and as much as I haven't worked as a, as a fully-fledged architect for a very, very long time, um, I, know, I, I know the industry well, and yeah, so, so the real driving force was that generally in this line of product of architectural accessories, there, there's, there's very little that's, that's considered or, or good looking, you know, and you often have to just um, go for something that you don't really like or it's just not quite ticking the boxes or whatever, and you find yourself maybe wanting as architects wanting to design your own thing, but you don't really have the time to do that or go through the process of doing it. So yeah, it's really just that like what's out there is generally pretty ugly. And so this, this is trying to, to fill that, to tick that box um, and do it in a way that's as clean and simple as possible so that it can appeal to as broader market i suppose as is possible um mm. yeah and generally i mean yeah generally things are bling bling, yeah. bling yeah. shiny you know yes. and especially when it comes to these kind of bathroom etc products they they really for some reason are super shiny <laughs> uh, um, things must be clean must seem clean in bathrooms <laughs> yeah, yeah. reflector <laughs> yeah possible. um but that doesn't mean that they have to be plastic. Yes, chrome, no. <laughs> plastic. Um, or yeah. So yeah, that's 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 really the driving the driving force. Do you ever feel creatively stale or uninspired? And what do you do to shift out of these states? Yeah. Uh, yes. Very often, actually. <laughs> um, and you kind of can't see the wood for the trees when you're in those situations. But then once you emerge, you're like, oh, what was I worried about? Mm -hmm. um, to shift out of that, it's really a case of moving myself mm -hmm. into a different environment. Even if it's going for a walk or 
you know, going to work from a different location or sometimes it's the most random things. I find myself getting the most inspiration sometimes while sitting in a McDonald's having a... <laughs> <laughs> we'll try anything for creative inspiration. <laughs> there's, there's some really good looking McDonald's out there now. Um, so sometimes yeah. it comes at unexpected times when you're yeah. almost not thinking too hard, like, but you've just changed your environment. Yeah, I mean, I say this, but even yesterday, I went out on the way back from going to a supplier in New Germany, uh, went, I popped into a McDonald's for a coffee on the way back, <laughs> and it's that completely different environment that you're not used to working in, or maybe, it, and it's not this beautiful, slick, clean environment. Yes. Um, sometimes that's enough to, to, to jolt your brain or to just mm. to lift your spirit in some way, even if it's maybe mm. the color in the space mm, or whatever yeah. it is, that actually lifts you. And, you, you know, I find when I'm in that state, I could sit there for a couple of hours working in that environment, even though it's the absolute last place I would yeah. consider going to be in, you know. Yes. And I, it's yeah, it's one thing that I don't understand how the average designer stroke person out there designs or gets done what they need to get done when they're working from the same place every day because mm. I would lose my mind. Completely. Yeah, I also yeah. don't understand that. Yeah. But thank you for the surprise of McDonald's. <laughs> I just never expected that. But yeah, like it could also be when you're in this planar environment with pop of color that. I don't know. Mm. Idea generation for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not even about it's not about the no. environment. As much as the one that I've been to is actually a really beautiful structure. Um <laughs> it's well, architecturally. Um I mean it sounds ridiculous, but it is. Um it's more just about putting your putting your brain into a different environment where there's different mm. humans and there's different mm. people from different walks of life. Do you have any extramural activities or pastimes that you feel contribute to your creativity? Um, yeah, I guess um, running is a big one. Running and surfing, that's pretty much what I do. And I'll play paddle as well. Oh, yes, the new, <laughs> the new one. <laughs> uh, but no, that hasn't contributed. Um, but funnily enough, running, yeah, is is where you do a lot of thinking and often resolve things. Um, and then surfing when you're sitting at backline where no one can touch you is, you know, mm. one of the few, one of those few times where you get to just think without any sort of, uh, yeah, anything trying to distract you or get in the way. Um, so, yeah, I think those are probably my two biggest. And I think there's something that comes from when, you, when you're exercising, whatever it is, that mm. like gets your brain moving. You know, mm. if it's stagnant and things aren't happening, mm. even just a, just a run that you've maybe even done before is going to somehow jog your, your mind. Yes. You know? Get everything flowing. Yeah, I mean, I probably should do other, there probably should be other things, but I think the simplicity of those things as, as, mm. as far as extramurals go is mm. actually quite conducive to to just you know, allowing your brain a chance to to break mm. out of its box you know mm. yeah. and also what is like what we should be doing i yeah. mean you should be doing what you enjoy doing and you yeah. are like you yeah, know. yeah yeah and surfing is obviously my that's my i don't know what you'd call it but you know it's kind of my, my church, for lack of a better term. It's mm. where you get connected to the world around you and mm. you feel that as close as you as I can to the elements and mm. the planet and whatever. So mm. it's, it's, it's quite a... Therapeutic. Yeah, it is therapeutic. Um, yeah, you go through a whole series of emotions, which people probably don't mm. see in surfers when they're sitting out there. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we should do a podcast on what goes <laughs> yeah. through the surfers' minds. <laughs> podcast at Backline. Yeah. <laughs> which designers or artists do you follow that you consider to be distant mentors? Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I refer to a lot of the Scandi 
designers and brands, I suppose, currently with Mess um, from a kitchen, especially inspiration, there's, there's a couple of brands, which I'm sure a lot of the architects out there will know. Um, there's, a, there's a Danish brand called VIP, V-I-P-P, um, that do amazing steel kitchen elements and, 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 they do a whole series of things. Um, there's a company which start, actually, which started this whole sort of trip for me, which is a company called Biltorp, which is a German kitchen company. And it was what inspired my own kitchen at home. I wanted to try and pull off a, a Biltorp kitchen myself without the spend. So I designed something that was similar looking, but I could build it for next to nothing. Um, and that's what put me on this whole this whole trip was was that you know to have something that's good looking doesn't have to cost the earth um so there's that and then there's more recently a company called reform uh also a kitchen company that basically use ikea elements ikea product and they reface them with designs by well-known architects um so the, the architects will basically Re, well, they, they reskin them so that they look more premium than a standard IKEA kitchen okay. or IKEA, as it's <laughs> pronounced. Um, but yeah, Norm Architect is one of those. They also um, a Danish um, interiors firm that do very, very. They like the kings of soft minimalism. Okay. Um, sometimes maybe a little bit too much so for the average person. Um, but yeah, those. Those are who I refer to more often than anything else. Um, Has there ever been a person, or um, you know, even if it's not in the world of design or um, architecture, but that has is a creative inspiration to you? No. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. No. I don't. Not think as so. yet. <laughs> I can't place anything like that. Um, Again, maybe I'm at fault. I probably should have inspiration outside of the design world. Mm. But, and maybe there's somebody that's not coming to me right now. But yeah, I mean, my dad is a big inspiration, actually, as, mm. as maybe crazy and, and cliched as that might sound. He's an architect, or retired architect, and has done a lot of amazing work in Durban, which Sure. Okay. A lot of people in Durban would know, um, and yeah, I see that. I see that almost on the daily around around the city. So it does cool. keep me inspired. Yeah. yeah. What are one of those buildings? My favorite, which is one hundred and one Victoria Embankment. It's okay. a very iconic um, building on the embankment. Um, awesome. And yeah, there's a lot. There's any any building that ends in Grove. So, oh wow! Grove, Park Grove, Silver Grove, Sutton Grove. Wow. There's lots of groves. Okay. Um, and yeah, even even North Beach, the Palace, um, which mm. was originally going to be Coconut Grove, because it was also part of the same developer, but then became the Palace, and that's almost in every Durban shot of the beachfront that you'll see. It's like center stage. Mm. Um, it was designed in a in a sort of uh, postmodern meets um, um, yeah it's a bit of, it's a bit of a meshing of, of styles I suppose um, but yeah it's, it's a very iconic landmark on on Durban's beachfront so I see it all the time yeah yeah because you're always surfing down there and I yeah. think that's probably a bit of the beauty about being an architect that we sometimes don't take time to think about is that each architect leaves a bit of their legacy in a building. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's really yeah. iconic, is yeah. it, um, in yeah. many instances. So my last question is, why don't you like flowers, Kevin? <laughs> Whenever I try, I mean, he definitely doesn't like roses, which not everyone has to like roses, because when I try to put them in the perfumery, you know, he is not ashamed to say I do not like roses. So, 
um, it's just been absolutely fascinating to me that there's a person that does not like flowers. So please explain to us a little bit more about that. There's a lot of people out there that don't like flowers. <laughs> um, uh, it's not that I don't like flowers, I don't like colorful flowers. <laughs> so there's definitely flowers that I do like, like Proteus. Um, but, yeah. And eucalyptus um, leaves. Yes, well, green, you love green. Any, leaves. any foliage like that, uh, I love. Um, yeah, it's I, I love I love foliage, vegetation, whatever. It's just leaves, whatever. I just never been a fan of of flowers. Um, and but yes, there are flowers that are are great, and they're in the right color palette. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Usually the simple ones with not too many petals. <laughs> yeah, and not, yeah, not too much going on color-wise. But yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, people think that I dislike color. I don't. Color in the right shades and the right whatever's in, in the right setting is amazing. If it's, if it's curated properly. Yes. Um, but when it's just a visual onslaught of color, that doesn't even exist in the natural world. That's when I am. <laughs> yeah, so like often I come dressed to work and Kevin's like, wow, that's bright. No, but you're <laughs> like, doing well. You, thank, oh, you, thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, and also you have advised me before on the use of color with Moon Moksha where, you know, you're like, yes, use the color rather. Yeah, So exactly, yeah. it's not all color. No. Kevin, thank you for allowing us this stroll through your mind where there might not be bright flowers, but you offer us the perspective that muted tones and simple geometry hold space for life around them in, in an essential and intelligent way. Hmm. Where can we keep up with your latest designs and purchase your products? Um, so two platforms. One is online. I have a store at so it's messmade m-e-s-s-m-a-d-e dot c-o dot z-a um and then on instagram uh also at messmade um as much as the the url and the handle are messmade the company name is still mess one word four letters yes simple <laughs> thank you kevin for all the lessons we've shared in this space so far and thank you for being on the pod. Mm, and thank you for bringing your laugh and laughliness to the space. My space would have been very much colder had it not been for your elements and your the, the variation and the changes that you bring to the space and what it wouldn't have worked without that. Oh, thank yeah, you. The softness. And I, and so you've allowed me to appreciate the the simple the minimal yes yeah yeah it's yeah. been a beautiful um, space sharing mm, and has, journey it really has. yeah well thank you thank you.